Hi, I'm Beth and this is the Journey to a Dream podcast where I talk to road racers about what is actually involved in coming over to race here on the Isle of Man. We'll talk about everything from money, machinery, the physical side of it. There's so much that goes into making it happen. Let's hear now from Oliver Dean, who's coming to the MGP for the first time this year. My name is Oliver Dean and I'm from Wakefield in West Yorkshire in the UK. So I got into bikes quite late because my parents were against it. So I think it was about 2009 or 2010 that I come to the TT. And I'd obviously did it about a year before I come as a spectator. So that's probably the first time I sort of knew about it. That's really interesting that your parents were against it because very often in this sort of environment, it's because people have grown up with it. You know, their, their dad, their uncle, sometimes their mum has, has been directly involved. So what was it for you then that drew you to this? So we, we had to come to the Isle of Man as, as spectators, like most people do. And I, I quite quickly realised that the speeds that we were actually doing on the road, even though it's it's a legal thing you can do out there, obviously within driving with due care and attention, um, we had a couple of friends have accents and it just made me have a bit of clarity, a moment of clarity and, and realise, actually, maybe if I want to do this, why not, why not go racing rather than actually do it on a road as a spectator, using the general public road? Because obviously a lot of people come and use the Ironman and want to go around the same track as their heroes. But I, for me, it wasn't about the speed what I can achieve on an open public road to the public. I wanted to go and actually achieve and race it myself. Can you remember then the first time that you sat on a bike? Uh, yeah, so from a young age, I've always been interested in bikes. So like everybody from two, three years old, I remember I certainly had a, a little battery-powered police motorbike when I was about two. Uh, but the first mob I come sound that I can remember, probably about seven or eight, um, which was a Kawasaki KX80, I think it was. And what is it, Oliver, would you say? I mean, it's hard, I think, for people who aren't completely absorbed by by motor racing bikes. and by bikes to understand what it actually is. What is the thing? Is it the speed? Is it the, the power? I don't know. What is it? Tell us. Again, it's, for me, it's an hour. It's not always been about the outright straight speeds it's it's been able to achieve a speed um around corners that i've always enjoyed so if i can go let's use a tt as an example if i can go around a corner at 80 mile an hour 100 mile an hour and on the next lap i can get an extra five mile hour because i've improved them. i i prefer that than going say let's say 150 in a straight line so it is obviously ultimately about power but it's, i don't know it's the thrill that you get I certainly as well road racing it's it's the thrill of it it's, it's a little bit different to short circuit racing as well and it must be difficult then if this is something that your parents are against. Can you remember some of those conversations that you had? Um, yeah, so every time I go racing mums, uh, I, I, I always check in on mum, so we don't really talk about it too much. But um, my family are quite understanding of just what I do, so I'm quite fortunate in that respect. But I've got no family members that are into my bike whatsoever, so I'm sort of breaking the mould. Yeah, and as long as they trust I'm safe, then I think I've got the blessing Oh. So I've got the blessing, I would say. So how has your career progressed then? Talk us through it. So I started out road riding about 15 years ago. And that's when I really got into bikes when I started on road riding. And then as I said, we come to the TT, we'd been in, uh, with a couple of friends of accents and stuff and realised that we wanted to go. I, I decided, me and a friend, it would be better if we went racing. Um, and in early stages of my, my racing career, I couldn't actually afford to because I was in I was in the middle of setting a business up and whatnot. So I couldn't, maybe I went twice a year racing. Um, and it's just progressing, progressing as, as my business progresses. So I made a bit more time to go racing. Uh, whereas now, you know, we're doing it quite a lot and we've moved from short circuit to more road racing since 2019. 
which is ultimately where I wanted to be. But it just it was a quite at the time I found it quite. I didn't really know anybody who was doing road racing, so I found it a hard route to get in from short circuit to road racing as well. Whereas now I think it's a lot more accessible. I am a hairdresser by trade, but going in with mobile racing, I was when I was setting up a hairdresser, I um, I was paying a member of staff to work my sort of day off so I could go get some vinyl graphics done on um, on my mobikes. Um, and I actually fell into being a sign writer. So I've been doing sign writing since 2014, I think it is now. So we're in a, a sign business called OT Graphics, which we help a lot of races in the paddock with team wear and, and bike liveries and whatnot. We do lots of commercial signs. So we actually fell into having another business through bike racing as well, which that does enable me to, to be able to fund a bit of the racing as well. So that's really fortunate, I guess, in some ways. But this is not an inexpensive thing to pursue, Absolutely. is it? And I, I'm just wondering, from a terms of like finding sponsorship, finding support, how have you found that? So I, I I've actually done the Manx in 2019, but didn't start uh, didn't start a race, so I'm still classed as a newcomer. The only real time we've ever found any sponsorship is when we've gone to the Manx, because I think people respect it a lot more and, and understand it rather than just giving money to for someone to go club racing. So, and we found it again this time. So, we've had a little bit of help, but it's probably about 90% funded by myself anyway. So, all the help we do get is, is massively appreciated. But, yeah, that's hence why we, we work six, seven days a week and two, and two businesses just to be able to fund it. Um, so, you're talking about uh, 2019 when you first came over to the MGP, but didn't start. What happened then? Practice week was quite a, a bit of a washout, really. Um, did my newcomers crap, and that was the only lapse of that night for everybody. I mean, we're going back obviously four years, so it's. I think on Wednesday we're not. Um, I think it was raining that night quite badly around circuit, and they decided to send the twins and and lower catching uh, classes out, uh, the lower speed ones, and quite a few people crashed from Fortune that night. Maybe one of them that crashed at um, Tower Bends, um, and I was actually uh, it high sided me on a straight line, uh, which was unfortunate. I wasn't actually kind of in a lean angle it just literally broke a bit of grip on a, on a bump a couple of bumps going into town and broke a bit of grip and, and actually spat me off in a straight line and then we went out a couple of nights later and blew an engine up and i just said to the, the guys who were helping me out at the time we'll come back and we'll, we'll come back better in 2020 unbeknownst us that we're gonna have a pandemic that must have been so frustrating i mean i can't imagine when you think about everything that goes into to making that dream come alive for you and then circumstances obviously during 2019 and then the the subsequent two years how do you come back from that how do you sort of rebuild your confidence in it i guess so in terms of confidence from a from a crash point of view i never lost any confidence so all it's done is because of the pandemic and it's it's been a tough it has been tough four years waiting for this um because obviously it's been out of my control it has been tough but i just made sure that i've so before i never went to a gym now i'm going to the gym three times a week doing a lot of cardio, a lot of weights. Um, we've, we actually bought a bike for 2020, um, an R6, because we were on a super twin. Um, so I thought, right, we're going to, we'll get an R6, we'll get a bike that's more reliable. Kept the super twin, but kept it from a Romeo. Went to Ireland, blew that up. So we decided to buy an Aprilia 660 because we decided that might be the better bike to come back in this year in 2023. Uh, just to give us itself the best possible chance. And we felt like we are quite prepared in 2019. But I've learned a lot from then to now. And I feel like we've, we've, we've actually, it's been a good thing um, looking back at it because we've, we've had time to do a lot more revision, a lot more training, uh, work on us riding, definitely the bikes are, are definitely better. I don't think we could be on a better bike. 
So we've been out by a lot better. But it's been a tough, it definitely has been a tough four years uh, mentally, that's for sure. I feel now is MGP is what I'm doing now, not back then. It, it's, it's so much a thing in the past. In the I feel almost that like I've never done it. I'm feel like I've never even gone around the track in some respects because I'm just disregarding 2019. So now is when I feel, yes, it's for me and that's what I want to do and hopefully progressing to. I never actually had ambitions for the TT, uh, but I think more so now I'm getting ambitions to do the TT as well. At future date, once I've done a few years at the Manx. For non-motorcycle people, can you just explain from your point of view what the real difference between MGP and, and TT is? I think, obviously, there's a lot more spectators. There's probably a lot more pressure. It's, a lot of people don't understand it. it is the same track. It was brought in for amateurs to be brought on back when it was in, obviously, Grand Prix status at the TT. Obviously, they don't run big 1,000cc bikes. Obviously, they run the classics and whatnot. I'd arguably say they'll, they'll like it to be an amateur event, and I suppose it is, but in my opinion, I don't think it's any different in terms of it being an amateur event because you've still got your Michael Dunlops, your James Ilias and, and whatnot going to the Manx Grand Prix anyway, doing the classic side of it. So I treat it as a professional event, and I go with that attitude that I don't see it any differently, although I find it a feeder ground. I think it's a good way to start, definitely. It's still the same track. You still achieving the same speed, uh, you might probably get up to quicker lap time maybe at the TT because there's quicker lads around on faster bikes to start off with. But I think initially it's just it's just a good stepping stone to the TT, but essentially it's the same thing, in my opinion. And how have you found the support from MGP organisers in terms of getting you ready? So in 2019, fantastic. I think obviously this year it's a little bit different because obviously they know I've been there so I've probably not had as much support as, as other riders because obviously I've done the Newcomers weekends, but that's because I think they know that I've been through it. So going back to 2019, there's, there's a lot of help and support for Newcomers, especially because there's lots of things, again, that I didn't realise when I got there in 2019, you've got to be at this briefing, that briefing, this safety thing, uh, and you've got to get your clothing checked. There are lots of things. You're, you're a bit like a fish out of water, so to speak. I'm a little bit in front of probably some of the newcomers this, this time anyway because I've, I know what's going to happen. Do you know, some of the things that I find most fascinating is talking to racers who literally do seem to live, breathe, eat the TT course, the MGP mountain course, and can almost do it in their head. They they play the TT game. I'm guessing with your businesses and whatever and, and everything else you've got to do, that doesn't leave you a great deal of spare time. But how much would you say is focused on getting here and, and, and on this MGP event? When we found out we got the entries, I think it was sometime in April, I actually said to one of my customers, if I could stop working now and focus on the Manx solely, nothing else, forget work, it wouldn't be enough time. So you're right, we don't have a lot of time. And I've currently got two bikes in my house, one in my kitchen, uh, one somewhere else. All, all bikes that we're going to be taking to Manx, either as spare road bikes, as, as race bikes, having engines dropped out this evening, started last night. We dedicate a lot of time. So if I'm not at work, I'm at the gym. If I'm not at the gym, I'm in the garage. It's There's no spare time now. I've got quite an understanding wife at the moment. You dedicate as much as you can. I like going to the gym and doing cardio because I get to watch a lot of board that. We try and do at least two laps a day, if not three, but it's quite hard to fit them in, if I'm being honest. I wonder if there's any motorcycle racer who doesn't have bikes or bike parts somewhere in their house. <laughs> yeah, uh, they don't live there all the time. It's just when you're stripping an engine out of a bike, you, you need, uh, and you do it on your own, you need space. 
but yeah, there's uh, there's a few bikes turned up my my, um, my life and like most ride lives at the moment. It's just dedicated to the Manx. So my wife and nephew went on holiday. I I didn't go. She said, "Stay home, put your money into the Manx." So we've got two new bikes. We didn't we didn't go on a family holiday. I didn't go on a family holiday because we were putting everything into the Manx. So we've got spare engines, spare bikes, a second bike. So we're actually doing two classes. There's bikes everywhere. There's tanks in dining rooms. There's <laughs> yeah it's, there's bits everywhere I, I wonder if that's something that actually spectators who aren't necessarily again as involved in the motorcycle industry if you like I wonder if they really understand just what goes into making this happen because it's not just a case of you waking up one day deciding you quite like to do it and it being that straightforward this is a path that you've really had to dedicate yourself to yeah I, I definitely don't think people appreciate the, the time and the effort we don't just turn up and set up bikes and they don't, we don't just press the button and they go. They physically need my handling around the track. That's why I feel that I've needed to go to the gym to make myself stronger and fitter. You dedicate every last penny, and it is literally the last penny. You're not going out um, for posh meals. You might squeeze a few in there because you've got to keep your wife happy sometimes, but you're not going on holidays. You're not buying fancy cars. I'm a, I'm a hairdresser. I don't drive an Audi TT. On the contrary, I drive a, a van because that's how I get my bikes to, to the race meetings. You know, um, everything's dedicated and you, you've got to have an understanding partner, that's for sure, um, or family members, because it takes everything. And and I'd, I wish, to be honest, the spectators saw more of that, because I think some riders will sit there and edge and go, I want to do that, I'm going to come do that next year, and just don't realise the, the journey that most riders do to get there. And after 2019, with, with what happened with the crash and the boiling engines up, it takes a lot out of you. Um, and you... I think it took a bigger person for myself at the time to take a step, step back and say, things aren't right, we'll come back next year. Even though we'll put all this time and effort in now, it's not going right. And you've got to take a step back. You, as long as you know how much effort they've got to put in. And it's hard to make decisions like that. But, you know, it's your life depends on it. Whether you're short circuit or road racing, things have got to be right. So this is why I'm not being here, right? I suppose farming bikes and kitchens because my wife knows I've got to be prepped right. So it takes a lot of time and dedication, that's for sure. Please tell me that when you come over, we can call you the biking barber. <laughs> come with biking hairdresser. Well, I believe at TT there was a, an Irish fellow who was a barber, and, but I think I am the only hairdresser that's done it, as far as I'm aware. So what is the ultimate ambition then? If we could wave a magic wand and make it happen for you right now, what would it be? I've got no expectations. I would like to get a replica. That is, that I, I'm I'm not going in my first year to, to go and try and win any races, not going to try and to but a finish and I'd, I'd like a little bit more than a finishing medal but I'll let that come to me rather than me pushing for anything I think I'm going with a little expectations I want a finish and I want a reasonable finish anything's better than last the last attempt and in terms of your sort of road racing inspirations who are the people you look up to who you want to almost emulate I guess I, I like what Michael Dunlop stands for in some respects uh, you know like it, what, what, what's happened with his family and how he's taken it by the horns and, and sort of gone at it John McGuinness is, is an absolute legend. If you could emulate any rider, to be honest, that's done it, if you emulate any of them, that, that's great. Whether they've got 20 wins or a finish, it's it's an achievement in itself. But obviously, if you, if you could get up there and have a few a few wins, it'd be nice. Obviously, you can't discount Joe Dunlop as well. He's just an absolute legend. Have you got a big calendar on the wall? Are you counting down? I have. So I've got a countdown on my phone. And uh, it is, when I get there, I think it's six, six days now. Bricking it with the timescales of what we've got left to do. Um, we're quite confident on the appeal of what, what needs to be done. But yeah, we're, 
Like I said, there's an engine being dropped out tonight. That's going away. It's quite a new bike to us, and it's an old bike. It's the XR 400. So I think it's like early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. So there's a lot of work, a lot of prep to do on that bike. And I feel we don't have a lot of time. So we're just trying to get things sorted as quickly as possible with people. And then is there anything else you need to do in terms of any racing that you need to get in before the MGP? Yeah, so we've got all the signatures. We've got to you've got to do um have a certain amount of race finishes um to get your mountain course license. The ACU, to be fair, have been brilliant. They've been quite busy with the T T. They uh, Michelle from the ACU rung me yesterday. So that's getting sorted. So we know we're on track with everything all the medicals are in. We've got a race at Scarborough coming up on the first weekend of July and then we're straight over to the Southern the week after. Um and to be honest, I don't think we'll do much after that. We're going to probably have a, a track day or a track even just testing both bikes before we come out. Just give them a little run and make sure things are right before we go down out on the first laps down Braille. Yeah, we're not going to try and plan any more in, I don't think. If people want to sort of follow your progress, do you put stuff out on social media? Yeah, I do a little bit. I, I put stuff on my personal social media. I think we get ruled by social media, don't we? So <laughs> don't get to get too much time to post stuff. But we do put updates on, on the Instagram as well. Oliver Dean, great to catch up with him there and really looking forward to seeing how he gets on at the Southern and the MGP as well. If you are a road racer and you'd like to share your story, I would love to talk to you. You can find a link on the Manx Radio website or email me bethesby at manxradio.com and I look forward to talking to you again very soon on the Journey to a Dream podcast.